The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. And we are live to the W2M Network with the kickoff. Greetings, everybody. I am your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. We are coming to you here on a Wednesday evening, kind of. Might be Thursday morning in some parts by the time we actually get this show started. What can we say? Stuff happens. Joining me, as per usual, the Down Since Day One co-host, Brandon Biscabing. So, I'm an Uso now. You're on that day one-ish. Accept it. (laughs) The producer-turned-co-host, Eric Watkins. All we needed was just two more points. But, (laughs) hey, I was still right. Kind of. We're getting there. Don't worry. We have this big, whole, elaborate thing planned for later in the show, talking about the game. Our executive producer is the head honcho of the W2M Network. That is Sean Garmer. Gotta love Harry making the reference that, like, maybe one person or two people got on the whole (laughs) podcast. But, yeah, why not? Just accept it, okay? And play the damn sound effect. You haven't uh, introduced him yet. I'm using the sound effect to introduce him. So na 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 boo boo. <laughs> the new guy, Ginger Domus, as he would like to be known, Jason Teasley. Greetings, my children. <laughs> <sighs> I refer you back to what we called Eric at this earlier part of the season. No sure dumbass. <laughs> Hey, again, he got it right. And this is what happens when the viewer naughty collide and collude. Uh, Obviously, we will have a lot to say about what happened on Sunday evening as the Philadelphia Eagles are your Super Bowl 52 champions. We will get fully into discussion of the game, including Eric's whole two point theory. But first, we bring back a segment that hasn't been on the show in a couple of weeks due to other focuses. So. That happened. And let's go ahead and kind of touch on the Eagles to begin with here as backup, well, now backup quarterback Carson Wentz, due to the fact that he got injured, gets engaged right after winning a Super Bowl ring. So whose ring do you think will be bigger, the one that he gave the girlfriend or the one that he's getting from the Eagles? Brandon? I'm going to say to uh, make sure she said yes, I would hope for his sake that uh, the ring for his girlfriend's bigger. Eric? I mean, he's still a backup and being paid like backup salary. Plus, knowing how the Eagles will want to troll, the Eagles ring is going to be bigger. Jason? I want to say Jeff Fisher springs for it and... Yeah, his his girl's ring is going to be bigger than the Eagles. Wait, he's dating Jeff Fisher's daughter? <laughs> no, did you have you not seen the video where from Hard Knocks where Jeff Fisher calls and cuts him? I have not. Um, oh, it's it not, is great. It's not Nick Foles that got engaged. It's Carson Wentz. Oh, as well. Fuck. Well, Wentz, Wentz, is, he's got a bum knee. He can't get down on it. So. 
Actually, the funny story is, is he actually did drop to Anita propose, and there are a crap ton of Eagles fans posting under underneath the video. Don't hyperextend the knee. <laughs> Eagles fans, what can you? They're a dumpster fire themselves. So. <laughs> Well, speaking of dumpster fires in Philadelphia, the city has burned. Although, to be fair, if they would have lost, the city would have burned. <laughs> this Even is kind more. of one half a dozen of the other situations. Although they did wisen up from the NFC Championship game. One, no drunken Philly fans were interviewed on Evening News. We had that story two weeks ago. Two, instead of using Crisco on the phone poles and Philadelphia fans just licking their way up. They used hydraulic oil instead to try to keep people off of the poles in Philadelphia. I thought they used KY. <laughs> There's so many jokes there based on the conversations we've been having all day that I can't make any of them on the air, Jason. You suck. I'm not <laughs> touching that one. Nope. God. Why did you think I brought it up? This is, this is to kick off to something else, not football. I was, I was, I was throwing Eric a softball. I was throwing Eric a softball, waiting for him to, to knock it out of the park, and he let me down. I, I want to, but for this show, I have to let it go. Damn it! The show where we talk about other things. A couple of people now that the season has ended here. Uh, The first person that I want to discuss is the official trading to Washington. Oh. Of. Of. God, I'm blanking right now. Thank you. Gary, I mean, Harriet's just, just thinking about so many other things right now. <laughs> I just, I had a senior moment there. Yeah, Alex Smith is officially going from Kansas City to Washington, which definitely spells the end of days in Kirk, for Kirk Cousins in Washington. What I wanted to discuss here, and thank you for helping me along there, Sean. I appreciate it. Good grief. Kirk Cousins has said that he wants to go to Denver. So this whole trade with Kansas City could end up biting Kansas City square in the ass if Kirk Cousins ends up going to Denver. Eric, where do you think Cousins ends up? I mean, Denver would be a good spot because, let's face it, if you were to put Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, and Brock Osweiler in a blender, add some different fruits and some ice and yogurt, you still would come up short of what Kirk Cousins is. So, I just there's I think there's a few other destinations though, but knowing Denver or knowing the fact that they'd still be going up against Derek Carr and now Patrick Mahomes, Denver John Elway is like, look, we need you just get here, please, for our sake. Yeah, I, I could definitely see Denver going after him, especially with Elway, like Eric said, and you know the fact that it. You know, this isn't the first time that they've gone after while, you know, Cousins isn't nearly as accomplished or nearly as old as Peyton Manning. Uh, We've seen in the past that Denver is willing to shell out money to get a top-notch quarterback to help them. Other rumored destinations for Cousins include the Jets, Cleveland, and Buffalo. I personally don't think Buffalo is a destination for Cousins. I don't see it. 
Not even close. And he would be suicidal if he'd go to the Jets. Yeah, I I mean, I see the Jets being a more a bigger possibility of an option than Cleveland unless Cleveland either A offers him a ton of money or comes up with some sort of assurance that they aren't going to be Cleveland anymore. Uh, but yeah, between those four, the clear cut favorite is Denver. I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak. So listen well. It's gonna be Cleveland, with Cleveland taking Barkley number one, giving him a legitimate, legitimate running back. Uh, you're gonna see uh, Flash Gordon actually stay on the field and not get kicked out of the league. And they're going to take, they're going to trade out of the four and get and some wide receiver help. And Cleveland Browns is going to actually become a contender with Kirk Cousins. Ginger uh, Domus has spoken. I don't because I think Kirk is at the point in his career that he is focused on winning now. And Cleveland is just way too much of a risk. Even Have if you, all of the things that you just said, Cleveland is still Cleveland. It's still going to be a dumpster fire. Hey, have you have you learned not to doubt me yet? Uh, for one week, Jason, slow your roll. I, yeah. I don't think hey. he's wrong hey. though. I mean, Cleveland has the most money they can throw out too. Yes, well, but yep. at the same Bigger. time, Cleveland also ruins quarterbacks. Yeah, I am not questioning Jason. Dude, Trump. all this guy I has cared about heard. is money. Okay, <laughs> what is he been telling that? Washington? You're not giving me enough. Cream, casseroles, everything around me. With, uh, Jason, if if that if all he cares about is money, then yeah, he's going to go to Cleveland because they. Can okay, get- let's let's go on record. He goes to Cleveland. I want somebody to pony something up. No, we if, can't be I, doing I, that for every time somebody gets a prediction right. Everybody goes broke. No, no, <laughs> I'm I'm calling it. He goes to Cleveland. They take Barkley first, uh, one overall. All right. If he gets every part of his prediction right, then we'll. I'll think of something. Yeah. He leaves every single part of that prediction. I'm sending him booze. <laughs> I'll, I'll we, we can you, send I'll, him I'll a, a whole kickoff package. How about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody I'll make has to it, send I'll him make something. If I get it right, everybody on this panel owes me a coke. <laughs> By which he means cola, not the other kind. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I can't afford that so. even if I head down Main Street, allegedly. Wait, what was I saying? Focus there. This has uh, really gone the other way. Yeah. For the record, Jason, uh, Cleveland takes Baker Mayfield, not Sam Darno. Well, hey, I've already gave you guys the first 10 picks. And we will be getting more and more into our draft discussion as the draft comes closer and closer. We will be coming back with a special draft preview episode of the kickoff. We will be coming back with a draft review episode of the kickoff. Honestly, beyond that, going into the offseason, we're not sure. You'll have to stay tuned to the W2M Net website for more information. So apparently... The quarterback for Seattle still has baseball aspirations, or at least the baseball teams still think the quarterback for Seattle still has baseball aspirations, as Russell Wilson has been traded from the Texas Rangers to the New York Yankees. 
this is just a publicity stunt for the Yankees, right? Yeah. Yeah. I because Russell Wilson has already said that he has no interest in uh in go, in becoming a two sport player. So this is just him maybe, you know, getting a few reps, doing some autographs and whatnot at spring training, but that's it. Nothing is gonna come of this. Eric I mean as I've mentioned it, I would love to see him go through at least a little bit more spring training than just the whole exhibition and autographs just once, just to troll everybody. But, yeah, the Yankees, they know what they're doing. This is just to try to keep them in the spotlight throughout the offseason and the spring training comes up because, let's face it, while they're okay, they're still not 100% relevant Jason? I just think it's a publicity stunt, just like Eric said, to keep to keep them in the spotlight and try to be relevant. He's not going to go play baseball. No. Do you, do, you think it's a, do you think it's an opportunity for the Yankees to try to cash in on some of the, the publicity that the Mets got when they signed Tim Tebow to their minor league organization? That- I think that's definitely a factor. I think I, I could honestly, and it would be interesting to see this uh, this matchup, and I have a feeling we'll see it in spring training at some point this year. Uh, Yankees versus Mets, seeing Russell Wilson uh, face off against Tim Tebow on a baseball field. I'd actually pay to see that. Well, I mean, I wouldn't. I don't care enough about spring training baseball. So, I mean, I like I watch the games every now and then, but I don't care enough. To me, baseball doesn't start until the calendar hits April. I mean, to me, if they did have a whole Russell Wilson versus Tim Tebow, the only way that I would be happy about making the drive down and showing up is if the game ended in a tie. <laughs> then I could die in peace. Hey, and I mean, a, vir- a virgin may get sacrificed. You to Tampa, is it? Uh, about for me, three and a half hours ish. Wow, really? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Sean, are you closer to Tampa? Good talk, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for contributing. Uh, we appreciate- I'm four hours away from Tampa. So Eric's a little bit closer than you are. So neither of you are helpful for this particular show. Thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> That's because I'm, I'm, we're both I, on the un, east. Unless coast. either of you are closer yeah, to Port, Tampa's Port on the Kansas. west side, so <laughs> I'm I'm twelve hours away, I think. Yeah, if they said Orlando, then it'd be more helpful. Well or well the, the Mets are in Port Port St. Lucie. Yeah, I don't know where any of those small Floridian towns are, so I can't help you here. They're in Florida. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks. Helpful. Wow. Anytime, man. Jesus. Anytime. This show anyway. is gone. Yeah, we've we've officially lost all. So you can definitely tell that this is a season wrap up show here for the kickoff. <laughs> or you can tell this is a show at like twelve fifteen in the morning. Yeah. Oh, right. trust me. That was, was supposed to start at eleven. <laughs> yep. 
And Sean, you know the kind of shows that we've done at 2 o'clock. This is nothing. I'm starting to get into my peak. (laughs) I'm just glad I slept all day, so I have some semblance of availability here right now. All right, let's go ahead and move on, continuing with our quarterback discussion that we started a little bit ago since we went from Kirk Cousins to Russell Wilson. Let's talk Case Keenum. Do we see Case Keenum as the Minnesota Vikings starting quarterback next year? There is a big there's a big article on Sports Illustrated right now where they're opening up a fan vote, and I will link the everybody to the uh, article in question when we post this episode on the W2M Network website. Well, who do you think is going to be the starter in Minnesota next year? Is it Case Keenum? Is it Sam Bradford? Is it Teddy Bridgewater, or is it somebody else? I'll go around and get your guys' predictions here, uh, Eric. My vote, honestly, is going to be for Bridgewater. Keenum's going to be the backup. Bradford's the odd man out. Brandon? I think, I mean, I definitely think it will be a a full-on quarterback battle in the preseason where they're really, you know, I think Keenum may come in as the as the de facto starter to go into training camp, but I think it's going to be a pure three-way battle for the starting job. And I think Keenum will get it to start off the season, but I'm not sure if he'll hang on to it all year. Jason? Nick Falls with Case Keenum selling hot dogs at the concession stand. In Minnesota? Yep. Hey, I'm telling you, I live out on the limb. There's going to be a shakeup. <laughs> that lip's Nick, about to snap. <laughs> well, hey, hey, my trunk is solid. My branches are fruitful. I'm dropping wow. knowledge. <laughs> are we listening to a football show? Or are we? Is this like philosophy going on here? <laughs> I just got way too deep for that. No, nah, but uh, honestly, there's no way. There's no way false stays in Philadelphia. I think that Minnesota tries to capitalize on it, brings him in. Case Keenum's odd man out, Bridgewater stays. Right, well, you can't just bring him in. You got to trade him. He's got a contract. So that would actually be kind of interesting if if uh, New England or if Philly does decide to try to trade away. Um, does try to trade away Foles? That would kind of be probably the best place to look for them to trade because they can get someone who is a quality backup who wouldn't mind being a backup, but they'd still be good enough to where if something does happen to once again, that they can easily step in like what Foles did this year. I like see somebody, somebody at like the way I think at the same time though, is there anybody there that you could really see succeeding in Philadelphia? Bridgewater's been a product of the Minnesota system. Sam Bradford had his chance in Philadelphia and failed sure. miserably. Potentially Keenum. I don't think he failed miserably. He did no. okay. Maybe the expectations on Bradford were too high coming off of the Donovan McNabb era. Yeah. They were not to mention dink donk hurt. Dink donk hurt. Hurt, hurt, pick, dink, dunk, hurt. That's Sam Bradford's career. I don't think it really matters that much. Like, if you really want to trade him, I don't know what they will. Number one, Nick Foles has to want to leave, and he might feel like he has stability there. Number two, 
do the Eagles get a little cautious because the way that Carson Wentz had that injury was kind of one of those like freak plays. You could easily get another big injury like that, and then you're out with no quarterback. And with the if they're able to keep Frank Wright because he's one of the people that's apparently going to be interviewed for the Colts job, they keep that. QB coach and all that together, they may feel like they could put anybody there and and they would do just as well or close to because they have such great coaching. I will say that the mention of Frank Reich's name got a smile out of me as a lifelong Buffalo Bills fan. Good for him. Yeah, I that's exactly why I kind of don't want to see him go to the Colts. Although part of me being a fan for the U would love to see it happen and to see him fail miserably, but even I couldn't wish that situation on anybody. Yeah, well, I hope I hope Doug Marone stumbles and falls on his sidewalk in his house in, in, in Jacksonville. <laughs> hey, don't be mad because he led us to the championship game with the marginally... No, you know what? I take that back. There's very little difference between Blake Bortles and Kyle Orton, so I can just stop there. I actually didn't hate Kyle Orton. Kyle Orton was at least dependable. You never know what you're going to get week to week from Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, True. I mean, it's sad when Blake Bortles proved that he's better than Tyrod Taylor. So, Okay, to be fair, neither quarterback played well in that game. Yeah, Tyrod Taylor would have sucked it up against the Steelers, so it's fine. Yeah, I mean, ten. Buffalo traditionally plays the Steelers well. It's hard to explain, but we usually do. And yeah. for the record, we would have went to New England, actually. Oh, that's right. Where y'all would have got blown out, too. Most likely. I mean, it happened to Tennessee. It probably would have happened to us. It would have <laughs> happened worse. We did you a favor. <laughs> With that being said, let's wrap up this particular part of So That Happened and let's move into a quick discussion piece before we get into our Super Bowl discussion. Gentlemen, shall we hop on the coaching carousel? Sure. Oh, Lord. After what's happened, yes. I just hope we don't get blown <laughs> off. Let's go ahead and talk about the only open job in the NFL right now as, once again, Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft have combined to flip a gigantic double bird to Indianapolis as Josh McDaniels' tenure in Indianapolis lasted about as long as Andrew Luck's season did this year. (laughs) True. Upon discussing the change with Kraft and Belichick, who are apparently not as bitchy at each other as we thought they were, Josh McDaniels is staying in New England as the offensive coordinator. Therefore, the Colts need a coach. You guys mentioned Frank Wright as a potential candidate. Is there anybody else who you could see becoming the new head man in Indianapolis starting next season? Jason mentioned it on the group chat earlier, and I pray to God that it happens just so that we get the segment. And especially with it being Indianapolis, I could see so many funny moments happening with it. Please let Ben McAdoo go there. Oh yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm calling Ben, ben McAdoo to the Andy. Colts must just be out in of desperation mode. mode. It's going to be a panic move. It's going to be totally panic. Sean, well, they thought they had everything all set up, Sean, so it probably is a desperation move. Mm-hmm. Sean, there are so many better candidates. Come on, stop. But again, you're talking a desperation move 
and you're also dealing with two very important words in the Colts organization, Jim Ursay. You talk about the ultimate of wild cards. I would not see him put it past him to go into a blind, drunken stupor, and we wake up the next morning with Ben McAdoo as the Colts head coach. Frankly, it wouldn't surprise us to it wouldn't surprise me to wake up tomorrow morning and have Jim Ursay as the coach of the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> I, I don't blame Josh McDaniels at all for doing that. Why do you want to work for Jim Ursay? Yeah, no. See, I think I think I think he found out some inside info about Luck not yep. being available to come back, and I think that's what was the, the ultimate thing. And then I think Kraft and Belichick said, "Look, you come back." Belichick's about to leave. We'll give you the head coaching job once he leaves. I think that's the deciding factor here because it actually a report on ESPN says that Luck is not going to need another surgery. But I do think that Josh McDaniels has become the heir apparent in New England now. Mm -hmm. And especially because, and I was thinking about this ever since Sunday, Belichick took way too much time in planning his exit strategy for this season and pretty much laying the organization kind of to waste. He's not going to want to go out on an L. So I really think while Kraft had a hand in it, this was the mighty Bill saying, hey, Josh, come on. I don't know. Was it really a waste to get rid of the guy that allowed how many freaking yards for the Patriots defense to – to do what they did? I mean, Patricia's yeah. defense has been kind of bad in the playoffs. I mean, yeah, like, but I mean, Patriots defense has been kind of bad all season. They were no, ranked they, 20. No, when you give up, when, what matters the most is the uh, scoring, and they were only fit, they were fifth in scoring. All that other all right, I got really I, I want to throw a quick question out. What happens to all the assistant coaches that was hired thinking McDaniels was coming in? They stay there. The only one that I've heard of confirmation of staying is the defensive coordinator. Well, they yeah, have contracts. They have to stay now. Alert. As of right now, it's pretty much Indianapolis's decision on what to do with the previous coaching staff under Chuck Pagano. No, I think he meant all the ones that signed. That oh, had, to be that, like, signed yeah. contracts yeah. that were supposed to be McDaniel's guys. And they signed, not knowing the McDaniels didn't sign, and supposedly they are just going to keep all those guys. Continuing on our coaching carousel journey, the Arizona Cardinals have named Carolina Panthers defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes as their new head coach. He replaces Bruce Arians, who retired after five seasons. Carolina Carolina coordinator becoming head coach in the NFL. This has potential. Mm Mm-hmm. It worked out pretty well for this guy named McDermott in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. True. Brandon, your thoughts here? Yeah, First, I mean... When I saw... Real quick, before before I, you go ahead and speak there. When I saw Steve Wilkes, I thought, wait a minute, the head of security for Jerry Springer? <laughs> oh, God. I mean, yeah, like you mentioned uh, with, uh, with the Bills head coach... Um, McDermott. McDermott. Um... Like you mentioned with McDermott, you know, pa- Panthers coordinators have been successful. I mean, he it's only one example, but, you know, he's been successful with the Bills this past year. And the Patriots defense was very good this year. 
So, you know, and in Arizona, while, you know, some of their pieces are getting a lot older and they've lost a few pieces over the last couple of years, they're still a solid team. And I think they can do a lot better than they did this year. That's for sure. I think the big thing for success with Arizona is going to be whether or not he has the support of the old guard that's already in Arizona. Eric, do you agree or disagree with that? Because he's got to consider that he has two of the most experienced players in the NFL that he's coming in to coach with, that being Larry Fitzgerald and Adrian Peterson. Mm-hmm. And Adrian they let Peterson go. Yeah, I think they did. Did yeah. they cut Peterson? Not to mention, you got David Johnson. Peterson ain't going to do shit. No, not plus Larry Fitzgerald. You may not even have to worry about him because he still hasn't even made a decision about whether or not he's going to retire. So I don't think Fitz is done yet. I I mean, I I didn't hear about them cutting Peterson. I'm going to have to look into that. I mean, what matters with Wilkes right now is make sure you get the right quarterback because that's their main problem. They don't have one. Do you think that do you think that they would be able to get by with an average quarterback if they have a healthy David Johnson next year? No. Uh, I would say you may want to shoot for a bit above average, but yeah, they could at least make do for that first season in transition with an average quarterback. Jason, you were saying? I think I think you actually have to have a Solid quarterback. I mean, you can't just throw somebody mediocre in there. You're going to have to have a quarterback in the stretch field to open up the lanes for David Johnson rather than just turn and hand the ball off and pray. Brandon? Yeah, I mean, I think, like I mentioned before, they still have a a decently solid team. The, The quarterback situation is definitely a question mark, but, you know, I think... If you brought in some better players, got a solid quarterback, this team could definitely take, make a rebound. The next team to discuss is the 5-11 and last year Chicago Bears as they hire Kansas City Chief Offensive Coordinator Matt Nagy to replace the fired John Fox. Matt Nagy stepping into his first head coaching job and, according to the ESPN article that I'm going to link, has also spent his entire coaching career under Andy Reid. Eric, buy or sell that Andy, having only coached under Reid in his entire NFL career, is a detriment to Nagy becoming a head coach? I'm going to sell it as a detriment because... While it's not the greatness of coaching trees like stemming from a Bill Walsh or a Bill Parcells, Andy Reid's proven that he's got a lot of formidable guys who really have quite a bit of talent. Plus, with Matt Nagy's unique perspective as being a quarterback as well, although granted in an arena football, I think he's going to bring two sets of knowledge to the table and for a young guy like Trubisky, I think Magnaggy is like really the guy that they need, especially for these next couple of years. Because young coach, somewhat, as you could say, forward thinking to a quarterback to where they really need to see and unleash, kind of take off the reins a little bit. Yeah, 
this can be a very good maneuver. I mean, I'm curious to see what everybody else would think. I love that we're talking about a coaching change that happened like a month ago. But, uh, you know, well, this is this is well, how we roll now. here. But, uh, so, <laughs> the <laughs> – I'm just saying y'all got to stay up to date here with the group of people. But, anyway, I, I think – you got Andy – the Andy Retree, I think what exactly Eric just said is he is uh, great at, at having uh, – at uh, coaching quarterbacks. And not just from him being a former quarterback, but also you get all that knowledge of – he. it's a very quarterback-friendly system. It helps Trubisky. You've already got a running game there that works. His main thing is draft, draft, draft receivers. Find receivers. Go sign a million receivers because the ones you got are absolutely awful – Kevin White, you can go ahead and let him go because all he does is get injured. Uh, just like, just absolutely revamp that entire thing. Poor Zach Miller, who knows if he's going to come back uh, normal from that awful injury that he had. And the defense is actually really solid. So that part that he doesn't have to focus on because he's more of an offensive coach is already kind of taken care of for him. It's just getting the weapons around Trubisky and then, you know, guiding him through his second year. Yeah, I mean... Chicago has a lot of work ahead of them. Um, he's going to have a lot of work going into this job. Um, do I think he can do okay? Yeah. Um, do I think that the whole thing with Bruce Arians is a little bit of a detriment? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's not a huge thing that he can't overcome, but I do think him not having, you know, I mean, obviously you're going to have this when it's your first head coaching job regardless, but, you know, not having that security blanket of, uh, of, uh, them, of Arians being there and, and helping him and all of that, it's going to take some getting used to the, the first year. I mean, especially since Chicago needs a lot of work anyway, the, the first year is definitely going to be a rocky road, but do I think he can be successful eventually? Yes. All right, so the next one to discuss is probably the biggest, in my opinion, this year that we haven't already discussed because we're not going to discuss the Oakland move because we've discussed Gruden ad nauseum two weeks ago. We've already discussed the Pat Shermer move to the Giants as well because of the resident Giants fan on the panel, Brandon. Although yep. if... If Jason wants to give his thoughts on the Pat Shermer move, we can do that after we discuss our next team. Our next team to talk about is the most recent of the coaching acquisitions, as it is official in Detroit. Former New England Patriots defensive coordinator Matt Patricia is now the head coach of the Detroit Lions, replacing the fired Jim Caldwell. He's got to step that defense up, though. Like they they can't play the way that the New England defense played because New, the de, blah, blah, Detroit does not have the players that New England does to be able to have that bend but don't break defense. If they allow the amount of yards that New England allowed last year, Detroit's in a lot of trouble in the NFC North. Yeah, not not only that, but also if they do end up playing that style and they end up basically doing what they did in the Super Bowl, where it isn't bend but don't break, they are breaking and giving up a lot of touchdowns. The Lions do not have the offense to keep up. Uh, Oh, yeah. I just just don't think that I don't. I have to agree. The Lions don't have a predominant offense. I mean, there's talks 
I mean, we'll we'll venture into this later on when we talk draft and stuff down the line. But there's talks that they're going to uh, draft a solid running back there. But I don't think that that's going to be enough to keep them in games in that division. Eric? Let's face it. While Matt Stafford has shown that he's a capable quarterback and can easily, with the right pieces, put together a 5,000-yard season, that, especially in the receiving core, they have not recovered from the loss of Calvin Johnson. Yes, they were great that first season after, but since then they've taken a huge dip. And especially if you've got someone pulling the strings like a Matt Patricia in Malcolm Butler decision aside, yeah, in their biggest moment, they got torched. Even in the first half of the AFC Championship game, they got torched. If you're a defensive guy and you have to have some sort of hallmark for Detroit, are you really going to try to put this all together and get, mar- at the very least, marginally better? Because if that's all you're going to get, then uh, you're going to be pretty much in and out of that city. Uh, well, I'm going to have to disagree with you there on uh, Eric on, on the whole offense thing because they have arguably been a lot better with the guy that is staying around, Jim Bob Cooter. You know, we could say a lot of jokes about Cooter right now, but, uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, God. I, <laughs> So, but, I, I, I was just going to let that go. But, 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 but anyway, uh, he, he's actually been able to get more of the guys involved in the offense than he did at any point with Calvin Johnson because it was just throw it up to Calvin Johnson day. Now so many of these, Golden Tate, Marvin Jones, uh, uh, what's his damn uh, the Ebron has gotten become a much better tight end, especially in last year. And, you know, it's not his fault that, Abdullah just he was okay last year, but he's not going to be the guy that they need, and it, it's that they got to get a better running back. Number one, that's that's the main thing because they tried to focus on the run last year, and it just he's not that that they you need to have a compliment back, and they don't have the big bruising running back to go along with Abdullah being the quicker guy. So either you need to fix that problem, or you're going to have to do what they did last year, which is rely on the defense making turnovers. In order for no. them to get going, and will Patricia's defense be able to make that happen? I think it's the big thing is you don't have a good enough passing game to have that deep threat. The to passing game wasn't the problem last year at all. They didn't have a problem gaining yards. Here's the issue that they're going to run into with Detroit, though. The fact of the matter is, is even with acquiring Patricia as the head coach, they're still in one of the more stacked divisions in the NFL dealing with oh, Minnesota yes. and Green Bay. Oh, yes. Green Bay is going to be significantly better once Aaron Rodgers is fully healthy next season. And Minnesota has proven this year that they are a team to be taken serious in the upper echelon of the National Conference. As long as they pick the right quarterback. <laughs> yes, as long as they don't start addicted to injury, Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, he he wasn't the only one addicted to injury. He got the one. It was just a big one. Bradford's the one that, well, don't even get me started. Bradford actually did play really well in that Monday night game against New Orleans, though. The one yeah, game but he it, played in? 
Exactly. Dink, donk, hurt. <laughs> Whereas Teddy Bridgewater injured, injured interception. Well, of course. Teddy you're going Bridgewater to was in- injured one time. Of course you're going to throw an interception when you're coming off a serious injury and are playing for the first time in what, And it years? felt like, and they were making him play. It wasn't even one of those, like, oh, we're, we we put you in for the whole game and and you've had the week of practice and all that. He was just getting put in so they could, you know, he could get the cheers and everything. Plus, there was a whole issue about them trying to toll his salary and all this and that, so... Moving on, um, Jason, you're the only one for these next two since we've already discussed these at length here on the show. First, the thoughts on hi- the hiring of Pat Shermer for your New York Giants. I love it. I think it's going to be a significant upgrade from, you know, McAdoo-Doo. Uh, we actually got somebody in there that might actually know how to coach a football game. So... I, I love the hire. I think it's going to be a nice spark and the leadership the Giants have li- lacked since Tom, Tom Coughlin left. So I'm I'm really supportive about it. And the fact that he's came out and supported Eli staying and saying that he wants Eli to stay, you know, kind of kinds of brings a tear to my eye and a smile to my heart. And sadness to Eric who wanted him in Jacksonville. <laughs> That's still possible. Again, at the very least, back up, force Blake to do a little something, got the Coughlin magic. What about your thoughts on John Gruden going back to the Oakland Raiders? Uh, I'm mixed about it. I, I mean, I like Gruden as a coach. I don't think, but I don't, I don't know if he's going to be the right fit in Oakland. I think that it's going to be, he's going to try to be that, that two uh, outdated middle-aged dad coach that's trying to be hip with all the cool kids with Carr and Cooper. Um, so I think that he might just kind of be slightly out of touch with the generation, the younger players there. But I think that he he will at least be a, he's a significant upgrade from what Oakland's being used to. I think him having the quarterback camp experience with Derek Carr is going to help him in his association with the offense. And Gruden's Oakland team when he was there was known for its defense as well. Yeah, I think that's going to that's going to be the key. I think it's going to be a um it's going to be a defensive driven team, which I mean they've got a nice young defense that I'm I'm very high on. But I just think that I, I think the offense is going to need a legitimate running back and maybe Carr to get out of his own head to be successful. All right. The final coaching change to discuss is another one that happened. Uh, at I, the- I just want to know how many times Gruden's going to be telling himself, oh, I, I got to get that Y banana play in here. Why <laughs> <laughs> banana? Why not? Apple? Never mind. <laughs> This goes back to the banana story. Oh, no. That's <laughs> oh, we cannot know. tell that on here. That on here. <sighs> it well, it's been the kickoff, everybody. It was nice having the run that we did. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes back here. 
the final uh, the final coaching change to discuss is one that is, uh, as Sean mentioned, one of the older coaching changes here, but one we have not addressed here on the show because I told Sean that we were going to wait until the end of the season to do the coaching carousel. And that is former defensive coordinator for Houston and former 14-year NFL linebacker Mike Vrabel has agreed to become the head coach of the Tennessee Titans, replacing Mike full of malarkey. Well, they really <laughs> like their mics down there, don't they? Uh, Eric, let's go to you first with this one because it affects you the most given the fact that the Titans are in your division. What are your thoughts on the hiring of Mike Bra- Mike Vrabel as the head coach in Tennessee? I mean, a, de- a definite upgrade from Malarkey, although uh, kind of sad that the Titans finally learned their lesson because I was looking forward to beating them a couple of times over the next few years. But with Vrabel... He needs to hire a good OC to help get Mariota kind of push through a decent ceiling that he has right now. But with what they have on defense, it's going to be unfortunately quite formidable. Ugh. Just when I thought I did crap. I, I, would be, I would be happy if I were you that they got rid of Malarkey. Malarkey kicked your butt twice this season. Yeah, but again, that was this season blind. Blind hog, acorn, you know how it goes. Pretty sure it's a squirrel, but sure, we'll yeah, go with that. Uh, sure I've, I've heard both. Trust me, it's been a long debate. I was confused much. Blind hog, truffle, blind squirrel, acorn. <clears throat> Why you got to discriminate against, against the hog? Why can't a hog have an acorn? I support <laughs> Eric and his acorn. Because it's filling up enough. I support Eric and his acorn theory. Thank you, Jason. See, Jason understands. I feel like this is going to be me and Sean arguing with Jason and Eric and Brandon just kind of playing referee next season. As a Hogs fan, I can tell you that that's just wrong. Yeah, no one cares about Arkansas, Sean. Sorry. Hey, it's all. I'm not going to say what came to mind. But we'll leave it at that for the. It's all right when the Gators suck worse than Arkansas next year. Wait, what was that, sir? When uh, Chad Morris goes out and proves how Arkansas is going to be better than Florida next year, you'll be eating your. (laughs) What? Because you're going to have stupid Malik Zaire throwing out there. That's hilarious. Malik Zaire is a graduate transfer. The SEC sucks. Yeah, you, you, you two have fun with that. I'm just going to be sitting here chilling, wearing my turnover chain. Thank you very much. <laughs> Brandon, your thoughts on Mike Vrabel to the Titans? Um, I mean, how long has he been an assistant coach? That is a very good question and one that I will have to look into. I think five seasons, but I'm not sure. Oh, wow. Okay. That that makes me feel old. Um, you are. But, I mean... <laughs> He has. If, if that is true, that he's been an assistant for five years now, um, you know, yeah, he's had the experience of being an assistant. But I think the key for him in terms of being successful in Tennessee is getting good assistance, good assistance, especially an offensive coordinator underneath him, because he's going to need some help. Uh, you know, obviously, he's going to be good with the defense from his time being a linebacker in the NFL. Um, But, you know, they need help on the offensive end, too. So as long as he gets a good offensive coordinator and they get a a few more pieces there, I think they could do uh, definitely do better than they did this year. 
four seasons. Uh, started with the Houston Texans as a linebackers coach in 2014. Eric, Mike, or sorry, Jason, Mike Vrabel, your thoughts? Um, I really have no true thoughts on it because it doesn't really affect me. So I'll just go with whatever Eric says and be good with that. <laughs> See, Jason's learning quite well. Oh my I'm God. glad we got him as a co-host. I'm glad that that's going to be the response now. If it doesn't affect me. Who gives a shit? <laughs> hey, I'm ghetto. Remember, I'm ghetto. I just don't care. Garbage. <laughs> Garbage. <laughs> just saying. That's what people are listening to saying this right now. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'm speaking on behalf of the listeners at this point yeah. here. Because even all, I'm sitting here all shaking. All four of them. All four of them. <laughs> Okay, that's probably not entirely inaccurate, to be fair. <laughs> and that's going to wrap up our current that's going to wrap up our current journey on the coaching carousel. We'll talk more about the Indianapolis job if slash when it gets filled. Obviously it'll get filled some point down the road. We don't know when. That officially takes us to our discussion of the game. Super Bowl 52 in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Philadelphia Eagles, New England Patriots. Final score, 41-33. The reason that Eric said, why couldn't we get two more points? is because it is the second highest all-time scoring Super Bowl. Brandon, trivia, off the top of your head, what's the highest scoring Super Bowl? Do you remember the two teams? Uh, is it the Giants and Patriots? It is not. Jason, off the top of your head, do you know? I was thinking it was maybe the um, when the Rams won it. Rams Titans no twenty three seventeen final score. Eric, I'm sure you probably do know. Super Bowl twenty nine. Steve Young threw six touchdown passes. Niners beat the Chargers forty nine twenty six. No, it was it correct. Arizona Car- It is. Eric is correct. 49-26 at 75 points. I was actually thinking Buffalo-Dallas at 52-17, and then I realized that was 69, giggity. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. It was upon it was upon actually going back on that pro football reference that I mentioned last week when we did our preview episode and seeing the listing of the scores there that I saw that it was indeed the Steve Young led 49ers win over the Chargers at 49-26 and 75 here. Not to mention I tweeted that all throughout the fourth quarter. I'm like second highest, second highest, could be the highest and I was like crap. <laughs> I just seen the highest scoring NFL game, and it's ridiculous. The seventy-two forty-one game, yeah, we're never seeing yeah. that again. No, although with the way offenses are going, you know, if you have two very good offenses but two very crummy defenses going at it, you could see it. Hey, let's not forget that we just recently had a seventy sixty-seven in college football this year. Yeah. Uh, we well, used to see stuff like that in college football a lot well, more often. That's like the uh, West Virginia Baylor game from a few years back. Was I don't even think they. It was like a Madden All Star score or something. <laughs> Eric, I'm about to hit you with some numbers here. Okay. 28 out of 48. Mm hmm. 
505 yards. Mm-hmm. Three touchdown passes. Mm-hmm. No interceptions. Mm-hmm. He lost the game. The first time any quarterback has put up those numbers in NFL history and still taken L. And with Butterfingers, no less. Jason, I have some numbers for you as well. Where? 1,200 combined yards. The most any game in (laughs) NFL history. (laughs) Sorry. I believe it. (laughs) That's a lot. Yeah, hey, I think I, wasn't I, the final number like eleven hundred and fifty-two. Yeah, I am looking that up on ESPN right now as we're having this conversation. Hey, I, well, I've, I've, got, much I've, got, I've got a pair of numbers for you, uh, for all of you guys as well, to just show how much of an offensive game this was. One for a grand total of zero yards. Punt returns. Yep. Back. There's also only one sack in the game. Well, I was gonna say, but I was gonna say there was only one punt in the whole entire game. Yeah, I know. My Eric, bingo square reflected that. Eric, oh. off by a single yard. 1,151. Nah. So they took one away after the fact. Bugger. Six <laughs> yards. 613 for New England, 538 for Philadelphia. New England had three different wide receivers over 100 yards catching. Interesting fact, though, not a single running back over 100 yards in this game. The closest is LeGarrette Blunt at 90. But the Eagles' leading receiver was a running back. <clears throat> Somebody pointed that out. I'm just saying. Corey, yeah. yeah, you know, Corey Clement. Somebody. And, and then Somebody. you also proceed to have two, uh, one very successful, one not so much wide receiver to quarterback pass. Yeah. That's can it. I just point out? Yeah. Can I point out the fact Burton's that, a tight end, right? Okay, yeah, but same difference. Can I point out the fact that my wide receiver candidate led the game in receiving yards? No, you can't. No. Well, I'm going to anyways. <laughs> okay. Danny Amendola led the game in, in receiving yards and was t- was third in catches behind Nelson Aguilar and Rob Gronkowski, who each had nine. Amendola had eight catches for 152 yards. Amendola did not find the end zone, though. I just got a question. Did anybody point out that Aguilar and Clement would have a good game? I think I said that I thought Aguilar was going to have a good game, but definitely not. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's somebody on this podcast. Do I have a weak button? <laughs> point out that wow. the two players, that Aguilar and Clement, would have would be the breakout performance and key deciding factors. How dare you speak ill against Ginger Domus? <laughs> this is right. Ginger Domus knows all. And again, crank up the ego machine. How many times did I have to go into detail about what happened in 2007 and all of the similarities? I'm just saying, the viewer not I'm, exists. All I'm there saying was, is me and me and Eric are a dynamic duo when it comes to 
predicting the future. You know what? We're going to put that theory to test next year when you're on for the full season and doing yeah. actual what? So the, um, why so? All right. All right. So, <laughs> so are you trying? Are you, are you saying? Wait, you to, wait to screw up your own segment, <laughs> Harry. Allow me to clarify that it is almost one o'clock in the morning here on the East Coast. So I'm allowed to stumble when we do our Are You Serious predictions next year. All right, so I'm willing to throw the challenge out. Me and Eric's picks against you guys. Me and Eric come out on top for 20 bucks. I'll pay it. Okay. Why is there got to be like a team of going against each other here? Huh? <laughs> I thought we're supposed to be all together. I'm this. willing to throw in like five bucks on a season long pull, but we got to set some parameters. Well, that's fine. Like, because this year we had a lot of picks that, in my opinion, were not upset picks when we did the Are You Serious predictions. Well, that well, right. for next year, we have to figure out, like, the the rules of what constitutes an upset for both. All right, I'm this is an off-the-air conversation. So No, it's not. It's an on-the-air yes, conversation. Yes, it is. It is an off-the-air conversation. Well, Don't play crap last year. <laughs> it's already an hour in. Get over with this shit. It's one in the morning. Y'all can have this thing off the air. Speaking uh, of, it win, by the way, Harry. I have not gotten the final statistics yet. I should have those for the year in review show. Hey, plus, you know, if we're going to build up the Eagle even more, the only guy that actually picked the Eagles here was uh, Mr. Ginger Gomez. So. <clears throat> Quit stoking the ego. He doesn't need it. <laughs> actually, you know, when I want to give a cheap plug because – Talk about dynamic duos. Eric and his mom did a wonderful job on football to the max. His mom makes an appearance in like the last 15 minutes. She asks great questions that everybody needs to go listen to uh, at the end of our Super Bowl review show. So I'm going to point out something else. Who also said that that Foles would outshine Brady? (laughs) I don't know that Foles outshined Brady, though. He did not. He definitely did not outshine Brady. I mean, Brady's they both had three better. touchdowns. Okay, uh, I got a question. Both had an interception, okay. and Brady threw Who, who was Super Bowl MVP? Who was I'm Super Bowl not MVP? with that. If New England wins, then Brady's probably yeah. the MVP. Who caught who his caught touchdown, touchdown pass? On the trick I'll play. give you that. <laughs> who caught his touchdown? Technically, exactly. the, degree of di- the degree of difficulty was higher in Brady's. Because Brady he had, had to run a heck of a lot farther. Brady had to toss his walker and try to catch a ball. Yeah, number one, Nick Foles I'll, is I'll younger. Say, Nick Foles had to go a whole lot less yards. All I'm saying is Nick Foles, Super Bowl MVP. The Eagles won. Nelson Aguilar. Corey Clement, Ginger Domus has spoken. Mike drop. Can you at least can you at least pronounce Clement's last name correctly? No. Like you said, it's one o'clock in the morning. I've had to deal with the old people in a nursing home. I I ain't too I ain't too good right now. So how does everybody feel about the Goodell seemingly made that deal about the Super Bowl is going to be when we make that change about the catch rule all of a sudden. Oh, that no was crazy overturns. 
I mean, I'm glad in the sense that it made the game... Like, at least you didn't have a huge controversy over it. No, you still did. Yeah, you did. You did only because of the them changing the rule to a more common-sense rule before the game instead of waiting until next season. See, yeah, right. I think it's going to be a case of... I think it's going to be a case of you got to let the referees call it on the field as it happens with plays like that. It's They're referees not doing that, they're not. They need to, though. It needs no, to be. No, it's proven that the league wants to do it, so the league can tell you that we are making the decision. But you know, it was great. Goodell got to stick it to Brady and Belichick one good time. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, it was so good. I hate Goodell too. I will say this much. I do want to talk about something that I saw in the aftermath of this game here. How ironic is it to see Patriots fans complaining about not getting calls in this game? Yep. Exactly. Or what was even worse? I mean, seriously, I get the Super Bowl trophy presentation is a very prestigious moment and how they have Hall of Famers come and walk it down that magical aisle. It's fantastic. But do they, they really have to do Daryl Green like that? I mean, that was just wrong. Wrong. And, and, and also how Brady completely uh, snubbed Foles' uh, handshake. Yeah, Brady's always been like that, though. You know what I I want to talk about? I want to talk about crockpots causing fires. What show is it? First of all, it wasn't the fire itself. It was complications. Don't go blaming crockpots. Come on now. I know. Crockpots have took a 20% loss since the Super Bowl. Uh, Pretty sure crockpots are not a very popular item with the millennials, you know. Sean... At, when you're asking what kind of show this, this is, at this point, this is us. <laughs> this is hey. us. This, this is us. That's a pretty That's good show, a by the joke. way. You know it. I love so, this. Is uh, us. Are, are yeah, we going to talk about the Are we going to start crying on the show, too? Because that, that would make it really This Is Us. Uh, there's a joke there that I'm not going to make. I'll save it for the chat. <laughs> We need to wrap this up. This is divulging into the, the this is divulging into where maybe I, if we had our that former co-host we used to have, we might be happening. Who knows? Oh, uh, you told my joke, you jackass. <laughs> okay, I, I'm I'm out of the loop. So y'all gonna have to genius steals Hey, all right, that's fair, Eric. I can't lie. That's fair. I did use that line myself. Anywho. Uh, let's go ahead and get back into the game discussion itself here. Let's talk about the halftime show. How many of you guys actually watched it? Nope. I did. Gross. I did. My wife uh, wanted I, I, I thought Justin was awful. It, it's I, been ranked the worst Super Bowl halftime show in the past 15 years. I, I, I watched my traditional halftime heat. I'm not ashamed of it. I, Once I again, for like think? the two people to get the reference. You know what would have saved the halftime show? Janet Jackson's nipple? <laughs> no. I don't know about no. now. Instead of, instead of showing actual Prince up there, it would have showed Dave Chappelle as Prince. Yes! The yes! The pancakes. <laughs> okay, I saw one on the internet where somebody photoshopped the Velveteen Dream into that image, and it was even funnier. <laughs> oh, God. You have to send me that one. That if, was if, awesome. I if it would just have... 
if they would have just had Dave Chappelle with, with the pancakes, I would have popped. I'm uh, sorry. No. Yes. I mean, because she would have had so many people with album. bad jokes. But look, if Prince could use that for the cover of his album, Breakfast Can Wait, I think nobody would have had any issue with Dave Chappelle, especially if he was hanging on the air like he did on his sketch, just like. Hey, well, hey, if we're, if we're talking pancakes, then uh, New Day needs to make an appearance. Oh, Lord. Or what would have been even better is if they would have had Dave Chappelle actually show up as Prince. <laughs> Apparently, uh, Sinbad, the comedian, uh, allegedly, had issue with this because apparently Timberlake and Prince had heat when Prince was still alive. They did, yeah. Is Sinbad even yeah. relevant anymore? <laughs> He's t- sure as hell trying to make himself relevant again, Jason. You know what? He was I mean, a jingle all the way. He will always be relevant, okay? That's I true. mean, he was our first kid. He was first in first kid. That too. He, he, taught, he taught me my dance moves. It's all about the way. It's just move the shoulders. That's how I dance. I'm a white guy. It's okay. Not to mention, he thoroughly explained the mechanics of the 70s pimp walk. And I got to respect him for that. <laughs> and he hasn't been relevant since the 70s. <laughs> Man, Ironic. I know I shared that picture somewhere and I can't find it. It must have been in the football. Check back in the football chat, Brandon. I'm sure you'll find the picture that we were talking about a oh little bit God. ago. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm having uh, a moment. I'm having a moment over here because I'm yeah, trying we to find. You can always talk about the commercials too. There you go. Yeah. You know what? I actually did want to bring those up. I, I wanted to talk to you guys here. In my opinion, this year was very disappointing when it came to commercials. There were only a couple that I really enjoyed, which was very rare. Traditionally, I like the Super Bowl commercials. Eric, what was your favorite Super Bowl commercial? The Alexa one in the fourth quarter. I was going to say the M&M's you one with Danny DeVito, much. but okay. the Alexa, it just stole it from me. <laughs> if somebody great. steals my favorite commercial, I'm hitting them in the jejuna. <laughs> Wow. I, I think my, mine are a toss-up between three, one, serious. You get one pick. <laughs> There's yeah. five people on this podcast. You get one pick, sir. Fine. Then my favorite overall was uh, was I have to agree with Eric. Danny DeVito as an Eminem was hilarious. I'm gonna have to go with the uh, Morgan Freeman Missy Elliott rap. That was Peter Dinklage's rap was amazing. it was that commercial. Is the Peter Dinklage and Morgan Freeman? It was the same commercial, but seeing just the visual, I mean, you could actually see Peter Dinklage spitting around like that. But seeing Morgan Freeman's lip singing some Missy Elliott was just just the par. That commercial needed Jimmy Fallon. (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 it was because no. you have to realize, Jason, imping ain't easy. <laughs> hey, that reminds me of something. When I was on an ambulance, I seen a guy in a wheelchair with crutches get up and about fall, and I said, "Sir, are you all right?" He said, "Yeah, limping ain't easy," and I lost <laughs> it. <laughs> That's great. What a weird. Yeah, that, that was my other. <laughs> That that was my other one that I liked a lot, and then just for you know on a more serious level, and I'm so glad that they decided to put it on. Uh, I love seeing the solo uh, trailer. Okay, oh, the solo I got trailer quick. was freaking awesome. Yeah, real quick, because because you know I kind of got distracted with the wife and the daughter and everything, but 
was it just me or was the Clydesdales absent this year? There were no, no Clydesdales. There were they were in Clydesdale. one of the commercials. Were... Yeah. yeah. Weren't they in one of the Tide Ad commercials? Yeah, they were the Tide Ad. Yeah, the Tide Ad. Well, like the five Tide Ads. Yeah. Oh, uh, I didn't notice them in the Tide Ad. I didn't I'm either. Nobody picked my favorite commercial from the Super Bowl. Well, Nobody likes it. <laughs> 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 oh, God. You know what? This is already the After Dark episode of the kickoff. Blow me. Anyway. You guys not partial towards the Eli Manning, Odell Beckham Jr. Dirty Dancing parody. That was yeah, that was awesome. I that, love that, that was but I did. Weird. I was. I figured somebody else would pick it. So I could not stop laughing during that. Eli proved he can do just as well as Peyton when it comes to the commercials. Oh, I'm sure once Eli uh, retires, that they'll have them together in a bunch of commercials. Oh, oh they're yeah. totally doing the. They're they're totally going to be doing the State Farm jingle commercials together. Oh, nationwide. <laughs> Yeah, Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's two different companies. Too. Well, I, I think we got. I we would be remiss if we didn't say the uh, Bud Knight commercial. I love that. Really? that I thought that was disappointing. Really that was good. I thought the Budweiser commercials were disappointing because the first one that they did with the uh, them having to fight the army for the Bud Light was one that they had previously aired. It was a. It was because it was in. Uh, they go together. That's why they had to air that. But then I, I, I wasn't all that entertained by the Bud Knight one. You were also not very entertained with the Danny DeVito one, Sue. That's not true. Yeah, I actually, was, the Danny DeVito yeah. one was funny. It was a four out of ten. <laughs> well, we give him five hard specials on here now. What? <laughs> what is going on again? Okay, that's my line. <laughs> Again, talent borrows genius steals. Hmm. Oh, what the hell has happened to this show tonight? I don't know. It's it went off the rail in the pre-show. <laughs> That's the damn truth. <laughs> Never. So, let me just say, thank people are either going to turn this off in like five minutes, or they're going to listen to the whole thing. <laughs> They're questioning. I doubt all four listeners are listening by now. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to listen just to find out just how far down these guys can spiral tonight. (laughs) We'll try to be back and better next time. I make no such promises. (laughs) (laughs) Well, next time, I don't think I'll have. I think I'm off for the next one, so I'll be well rested and won't be. Uh, you're not. Oh no, God. We're not doing a show next Wednesday night. Oh, we aren't? No, it's 2.14. Some of us have prior plans. Fair enough. Okay. Well, we're going to find ourselves in another 11 o'clock situation for the 21st, most likely. Oh, lovely. Trust me. Hey, started started at 10. By the time the pre-show conversation is over, I'll be off work. And we can go right into it. <laughs> Actually, I don't. Without you, I don't think the pre-show conversation goes that long. No. It really doesn't. Well, I mean, really, the technically the pre-show conversation has went on for three hours. <laughs> That's true. 
Yeah, that got started in the chat and then just yeah, carried yeah. to the Skype call. And then, which has carried throughout the episode. Yeah, pretty much. Not entirely. You can only see the conversations we have before these shows go on the air, everybody. That's all I'm going to say. And this is only my second weekend. So hey, it's... Baby, think, let me just put a frame of reference. If anybody listened to the first season of Point of Viewer, yeah, those kind of conversations. <laughs> Brandon, what was your biggest takeaway from this game? Uh, my biggest takeaway from this game was how poor the Patriots' defense was. I mean, we talked about it uh, for the preview, how they were a very bend-but-don't-break defense, but they did no... Uh, be- they, they did the bending and the breaking in the Super Bowl. You could make the argument they didn't just break, they shattered. Yes. They shattered into a ti- a million tiny little pieces. Eric, your biggest takeaway from Super Bowl Fifty Two? N- I mean, never before have I been so glad to be both right and wrong simultaneously. But the people of Philadelphia still owe me a cheesesteak. Eric, you should check your message before that. Yeah, the well, of look, Philadelphia fact- still had to learn to be decent. Either. That's why I made a previous promise. And yes, you, I'm not taking away the genius that is Ginger Damas, but again, the viewer Naughty also had a presence in there as well. I, I think we're a dynamic duo. <laughs> I I've yeah. officially decided what your nickname is going to be going for. You'll hear it at the end of the broadcast. <laughs> All, right. All right. Jason, what's your biggest takeaway from this Super Bowl? That I'm a genius. And that the Eagles won. Why did won. you ask the question, Harry? Should have <laughs> the answer. I kind of just walked and, right into that one, didn't I? And yeah, that yeah. Um, that gingivitis is a, a oh killer disease. God, <laughs> is a Stop killer it. disease among. Nah, my biggest takeaway was uh, I actually got to talk football with some really great guys and explore the. True NFL passion that we all share, and, and I'm glad to be a part of the team, folks. Sean, oh, you're going to have a this is us moment. Save the dog. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, Jack, where are you? Anyway, uh, yeah, you know what? I, defense still won championships. It's the one defensive play that happened in the game is what uh, made the whole thing happen. So, Brandon Graham, you're the real MVP, man. My biggest takeaway from this game is that Malcolm Butler is a fucking moron. See, what is the real... That wasn't all on Butler, though. There's a lot that's been coming out about that. The story that I heard was broke curfew and got caught with marijuana. The story that I heard was Tom Brady called out and said that that was a cover-up. There was more to the story because none of that ever happened. Butler went Butler went on Instagram, denied everything. Brady backed him up. And you know if Brady's backing him up, Daddy Tom going out on limb for a teammate is, says something. He hasn't done that since you know Aaron Hernandez. Yeah, how'd that limb work for him? Hey, he's a cool guy to hang out with. 
Oh my god. <laughs> so what you're saying So what you're saying he's a real rest in peaceful gentleman. Yeah. That I one mean, wasn't as good. I mean, I don't I don't want to tie anybody up in knots and you know and be dragging my feet. But you know, stop it! Stop! This is wrong. He has a kid, no, stop. But it—it's it, number one with a bullet. Oh. All right, this is really awful. Just end the show, Tonight's episode of the kickoff brought to you by the Suicide Prevention Hotline. Lord, where if you just hang in there, we'll get right to you. Oh my God. What happened? Just... Forget this. Sign off. I'm hitting the stop button. Uh, Sean, I think that there's nothing else I can say to top this, so we might as well just send this home, huh? <laughs>